the bucket passes your row. We have, I think, last week and this week, the longest sets of announcements we have ever had, at least since I've been pastor. So I apologize for throwing so much information at you so fast. But we got a lot going on, which is pretty cool, and it's pretty exciting. So I want to run over uh, a few things, very high level, very basic with you, just so you remember, so you know what's going on and you are aware of it. First of all, um, you may or may not have noticed, but a couple of doors down from us in this same complex, we had another church move in, which is really cool. Uh, and so we've got s- some neighbors now, um, and they have actually asked, since we've kind of had Sunday mornings to ourselves for so long, um, we've kind of spread out across the parking lot, and they've asked if we could try and make sure not to park in front of their facility specifically. Um, so basically, it, it's the two bays next to the hair salon. So we can still park in front of the hair salon, and we can park any down this direction, but if we can uh, not park on the, I guess it would be the west end of the hair salon, the city park end of the hair salon, just to, to honor them and give them space as well. Uh, just like Josh said, we're not the only church in this community, and I'm glad we're not the only church in this community. I'm glad there's other per- people seeking God. I'm glad there's other people preaching Jesus, and so we want to honor them, and we want to partner with them. So if you guys can just help us out with that, um, that would be fantastic and obviously you don't need to get up and go move your car today it's okay Uh, but just kind of going forward just remember okay we're going to park more to the east end of our parking lot Uh, a couple important kid city things going on first of all uh, we have a really important parents and teachers meeting today after service so if you have a kid who is in kid city or or a kid that you bring to kid city maybe it's not your child uh, but somebody who's in kid city under your care Um, If you could come to that meeting right after service, it's going to be from 12 to about 1230 for our parents. We'll get you out of here. We don't need uh, to hold you for real, real long. But we want to make sure and get you some key information that you need to know uh, for how we can better uh, minister to your kids, how we can better partner together together to do that. So 12 to 1230, the parents, um, teachers, we need you here at 12 because you need to hear what we're telling the parents. And then we'll do uh, the teacher portion of the meeting after that. So uh, teachers would be here probably not all the way up until 2 o'clock, but we're saying to be prepared until 2. Uh, and that counts for whether you're a 662 helper uh, or an adult teacher in the classroom. We need you here uh, so we can explain that to you. If you're not involved in Kid City, but you'd like to find out how you can be involved, like to find out what the opportunities are, how you can help us to reach this next generation of kids, how you can invest in the life of a child, hang out with us after service. You're not committing yourself to being there. Uh, you can get a free lunch. Uh, and then change your mind and decide, hey, I don't want to do this. And you got the free lunch. We'll, we'll even invest that. We'll risk that because I believe that when you hear what we're doing, you're going to want to be a part of it. So join us after service if you're interested in finding more about being involved in Kid City. Uh, and also Kid City doing an awesome, awesome thing for us as parents. This Friday night, they're having their parents night out. Uh, they're under the sea, Finding Nemo theme. They're going to be showing the movie to the kids uh, from 630 to 930, I believe, are the times. Um, So if you've not signed up for that, get signed up today so they know how many people they need to have staffed, how many people to help out with the kids. Um, And we can go out and have a date night. If you're a single parent, you can go out and find a date, uh, go back home by yourself, whatever. You know, you can work that out between you and God. Uh, But you have three free hours of babysitting, and they're not just going to babysit your kids. They're going to have a blast. Your kids are going to be very glad that they came. So that's this Friday night. Sign up sheet out at the Connection Center on your way out the doors. Um, Next we have for 662, 6th through 12th grade, we are in Battle of the Sexes. Uh, All this month, uh, we have invite cards out at the Connection Center. If you know a student who needs to be here to hear about how to protect themselves and to stay pure, um, great month 
for young people to be here at the 662 uh, and a lot of fun. In fact, last week was a ton of fun because the guys won week one, a battle of the sexes. Uh, so greater things are yet to come uh, and, and they're beginning to happen in Jesus name. Uh, so week one went to the guys. We'll see what happens next week. Um, so uh, also um, the first Sunday in March, which is March the first, uh, I believe, um, we are going to be hosting a really cool um, seminar class. I don't know really the right word for it, uh, but after service from 12 to about two o'clock, and we are going to be serving lunch for this as well. Um, we have got uh, somebody, Mary Smith from Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, who's been attending here for a few weeks. She's actually getting ready to move. Uh, she's full-time missionary, uh, but she's here for a couple months, just hanging out. Uh, she's going to do a seminar for us on sharing your faith, on how you and I can tell others about Jesus. If that is something that scares you, if that is something that intimidates you, this is a class for you. Because uh, it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be intimidating. We believe that every Christ follower has a commission, has a mandate to tell other people about Jesus. doesn't mean everybody has to get up here on a stage and preach a sermon like some people do. In fact, most of us will never do that. But every single one of us has people in our life, in our family, in our neighborhood, in our world that need to hear about Jesus. And we want to help to give you the tools, the equipping to go out and do that. So that's from noon to 2 o'clock. We also have one of our city groups, uh, Leonard City Group, that is studying how to share your faith. So you can also get teaching throughout the whole semester on that. This is a serious emphasis for us this year. We believe that we need as a church, as a corporate body, to not just come together to hear somebody preach the gospel. But we need to share Jesus with people who need him. Amen? Amen. 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 And so if, if you are uh, not confident at all in sharing your faith, all the way to you are an evangelistic beast. Uh, we need you here at this class because if you're really good at this and really confident, you can help equip others. You can help encourage others. You can help share testimonies with others. So wherever you are on that spectrum, uh, we would love to have you here. So mark that down. This is first Sunday in March, March the 1st from 12 uh, to 2 p.m. Uh, we won't hold you all day, but we want to make sure and, and take enough time to equip you on how you can tell others about Jesus. All right, last thing for you to know. Uh, today we're doing a special uh, standalone message. We're going to talk about, a little bit more about that in a second. Um, but next week we're kicking off a series that I've been looking forward to for a really long time. Uh, it is called Infinite, and it is the eight great or eight of the greatest stories forever told. So what we're going to do is each week we're going to take one story from Scripture. Um, and, and we're going to dive into it, learn from it, and then we're going to come back and see how that story really hints at and foreshadows the story of Christ. How really the entire Bible points to the person of Jesus Christ. Um, it's going to be an awesome series. I think you're going to learn a lot. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And then we're going to end that series week eight on Easter Sunday with the greatest story forever told. It's going to be great. So would you go ahead and roll this? we got a little promo video for you. Check this out. The Bible has this story that runs through like a thread, and it's the story of God as creator, God as master, God as righteous judge, God as redeemer, God as soon coming king.
next Sunday. Don't miss it. We're going to start with Adam and Eve, and we're going to work our way throughout the Bible over the next eight weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Well, if you're taking notes today, you picked a great day to take notes because I think I have more information than I ever have in the history of my life as a pastor. Uh, so I've got a ton of stuff to give you. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and, and I'm going to try to keep it quick and try to move through it quickly. But today we just want to talk about who we are as a church. Um, I think it's always important to, to get back to our identity. Um, we've had a lot of new people uh, come into our church. We've got four families going through Next Steps right now, joining our church. Many others who maybe haven't taken that step yet. Maybe others who've been around for a while. And, and it's just good for us to, to be reminded of who we are. And so today we're just going to take a little bit of time and, and, and look kind of in-house. Who is City Church and, and how has God called us internally to affect the external? Um, our City Church mission statement, which hopefully most of you know, is simply this. We want to reach our city by reaching one. We believe that's what we're called to do, reaching our city by reaching one. In other words, we believe that we have a large call to reach a large number of people for the glory of God. Why do numbers matter? Because we count numbers because each person counts. People count. Uh, every single person who is lost in our city is an opportunity for us to reach someone an opportunity for us to make a difference. I think there's a lot of people in, in this day and age that maybe aren't lost spiritually. Maybe they're going to heaven, but they've been de-churched. Something has happened. They've been offended. They've been hurt. They've been separated. Something ha has caused them to not have a church home. And I believe that, that God has designed us as Christians to have a community to do life with, to have a community to, to share the joys and the struggles of life in. And so many times we may reach somebody, maybe they're not a new convert, but they're somebody who needs a family. There's somebody who needs the love uh, that a church can bring. And so we want to reach our city by reaching one. Why by reaching one? Because ultimately it's not about the number of people that we end up with. It's about the individual. It's about reaching one person at a time, one family at a time, impacting one life at a time. And when we say that, I don't want you to get this picture of, okay, well, that means that you bring your friend to church and you bring your friend to church and we all bring our friend to church. That's good. Bring your friends to church, please. But, but it's not just a matter of us going out there and bringing people to church. It's a matter of us going out there and being Christ in our community, in our neighborhood. One of my favorite things, um, Bianca is our first impressions director. I don't know where she's sitting today, but, but Bianca is awesome. And, and in her first impressions team meetings, she's actually sat down with them and, and challenged them, hey, as first impressions, I want you to reach our city by reaching one, not just when you're here at City Church. Not just when you're coming in to, to be a host, not when you're just coming in to be an usher or to count the offering or whatever role you're fulfilling in first impressions that day, running the coffee bar. She says, I want us as the first impressions team to take this and live it out in our city, to live it out in our community, to find opportunities in our work, our neighborhood, our family, whatever it might be, to reach our city by reaching one. That's what it's all about, man, that we would gather and be inspired, be motivated, be equipped, be challenged, that when we scatter, that's when we're really reaching people. When we're out on our own, when we're in our own world, in our own situations that God takes us to, that we'd be walking that out. So I want to talk to you this morning about who we are as a church. I want to start out by just kind of giving you a, a picture of our vision. Our mission and our vision are different. Basically, our mission is, what are we supposed to accomplish? And our vision is, what do we want to see? What do we want to look like? Where are we going? And so um, our vision is really going to come a lot of it out of Revelation 22.2. There's two parts to our vision, two things that we want 
to look like. And here in Revelation 22 too, which if you love Revelation uh, and you weren't here last week, get the podcast because I think we had a, a great session on, on the book of Revelation. Uh, but this is probably my favorite verse in the entire book. The Apostle John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. So there's a day coming after Jesus wins, after it all goes down, after the Antichrist is shut down and the beast is destroyed. At the very end of it all, there's a day coming when this is going to happen and there's going to be this great multitude of every nation, every race, every tribe, every tongue, every language from everywhere gathered around the throne. That's the place I can't wait to see. That's the picture I can't wait to be a part of. I'm so excited that that I get to be a part of that multitude. I'm so grateful that you, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, you get to be a part of that multitude. I'm so excited that we get an opportunity to bring others in to that multitude, those who are not guaranteed to be there right now. I think that's so cool. And, and so we see this picture of heaven. And so first of all, City Church has a vision to be a church that looks like heaven. Jesus prayed, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so anytime we see a picture of what heaven is like, I believe that's really a picture of ideally what earth is supposed to be like. That's a picture of what we're supposed to be hoping for and praying for and working for to accomplish while we're here on earth. Now, obviously, we'll never get there. It's never going to be perfect on earth. There are things that happen in heaven that we can never accomplish. But we're praying, God, let your will be done here as it is there. God, let your will be done in city church as it is in heaven. So we want to be a church that looks like heaven. We aspire specifically to flesh that out in three ways. Number one, we want to be a church for all races. We want to be a church that looks like heaven. Heaven is not unique to one race. Nobody has a monopoly on heaven. I believe that everybody's a minority in heaven, that, that everyone uh, is there as part of their race, but no one race has the majority, that every race is represented, that there's so many people from all over the globe. We see this happening right now. The greatest explosions on planet Earth right now of the gospel going out are in Africa and Asia. More people are coming to Jesus every day in Africa and in Asia than any other part of the world right now. It's a, a fantastic revival going on globally of people coming to Jesus. There's going to be a multitude in heaven, and they're going to look like every race. And so City Church, we want to be a church for every race. Now, obviously, uh, th there are going to be some races that maybe aren't represented or some ethnicities that aren't represented in Olive Branch or in Memphis that are maybe going to be more difficult for us to, to have. And that's where we trust God that when we get to heaven, we're all going to be there. But if they're in our area, we got to go get them. If they're in our area, we, we need them to be a part of our church. I heard a pastor say one time, and I love this. He said, we want our church to look like Walmart. Uh, if you go to Walmart, you see your whole community there. It doesn't matter who lives there, you're going to find them at Walmart at some point in time. And so that's what we want. We want our church to look like Walmart because we believe ultimately Walmart looks like heaven. Not that everybody's wearing their pajamas in heaven. Uh, <laughs> but, but racially, ethnically, diversity-wise, this is a church that, that we embrace diversity. We celebrate diversity. We believe that we're supposed to be more diverse than we are now. Uh, and so we are praying, God, that your will be done in City Church as it is. In heaven, that's the first thing that we want to see in our church. We want to be a church for all races. Secondly, we want to be a church for all generations. Um, 
doesn't specifically explicitly say this here in Revelation, but I think it's very much implied that there are people of all generations represented in this multitude. That, that people in this multitude have come from 2,000 years ago through today up until whenever it is that Jesus returns. We don't know when that will be, but that every generation has representation in heaven. Again, we can't have representation from every generation because many generations are no longer on planet Earth. But if they're here right now, we think we're supposed to have representation from them. We're supposed to reach them. Now, one thing that, that has been said about City Church many times in the past and, and is a true statement is that this church skews young. We are a younger church. If you just look around at the average age of our demographics, we're going to average somewhere around 20 years younger than the average church does. Uh, now, I don't think that's a problem. I don't apologize for that. Here's why. The average church skews a lot older than the average person in America. In other words, our churches are growing old and many times dying. And so we believe we're supposed to be a church for every generation. That means we got to reach the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. doesn't mean we don't value those who are older. We absolutely do. And we pray that God would help us to, to reach families who are older, to, to bring in some, some credibility, to bring in some, some respect, to bring in some, some maturity. Uh, and we've seen that happen. And I'm so grateful. If you are over 40 at City Church and you feel old, thank you for being here. We need you. Come on, let's give it up for those who are not in that younger crowd at City Church. We need you. We need your example. We need your experience. I'm not joking. We do. That is so valuable to us. I don't want to reach a bunch of kids for them to come in and just be around a bunch of kids and not have somebody to look up to, not have somebody to aspire to be like. We need to be a church that reaches all generations, that has all generations present. But we're not going to apologize for reaching young people. We're just not. We're not going to apologize for using young people. We're not going to apologize for giving young people opportunities to serve because I believe that City Church is going to be around in 50 years, and there's a lot of churches that we can look around and say, I don't know if that's true. And I'm not trying to speak death over them. I hope that it changes. I hope they make that switch. I hope that they begin to reach younger generations. But there are people in this church who are going to be able to be a part of this church for a very long time, and that's exciting to me. That's a good thing, and so we need them all. We need the older generation for experience and maturity and their example and to be able to speak life into us. And we need younger people who can energize us and challenge us and push us forward. Um, I've had multiple times where, where older men, usually in their late 60s, early 70s, have come to me and, and they've said, Troy, I hate the music at your church. Um, many times have I had this conversation. And let me just say this. First of all, I don't like it when people call it my church when they're a member here. It's not my church. It's our church. If you're a guest, like it's your first time and you want to say something about my church, okay, I get it. I'm the pastor. But it's not my church. This is our church. So let me just say that. But, but secondly, here's what's so cool. They'll say, Troy, I hate the music at your church. But I love watching young people enter into the presence of God. I love watching young people worship. And so I come to your church even though I hate the music. Because I see what God's doing. Now, we're never going to have music that everybody likes. There is, there is no church in the world that has music that covers every genre, that covers every person. We all have our personal preferences. And ultimately, what I love about what those men have said is they're willing to set aside their personal preference 
They could go to another church that has the music that they like, that has the music that they enjoy, that's not growing, that's not reaching a new generation. They said, no, I'm not going to do like everybody else my age. I want to be a part of something. I want to leave a legacy. I want to be somewhere where we're reaching a new generation. And I think that is fantastic. And I respect that so much because ultimately that's where all of us need to get to is a place where it's not about our personal preference. It's not about did they play my favorite song. It's not about did I like the pastor's style. Did I think he was funny. It's not about, you know, the, do I love the building or the colors or any of that stuff. We're setting aside our personal preference for the greater good to reach people and glorify God. And that's the place we got to get. And I love that there are men who are setting that example who would say, you know what, I don't even like this. In fact, I hate it. I wish they didn't hate it, but, you know, that's on them. That's between them and God. But then they can say, I hate the music, but I love the church. That is awesome. That is a great place for us to be, um, to, to set aside our personal preferences. So we want to be a church for all generations. Thirdly, we want to be a church for all backgrounds. Church for all backgrounds. We want to be a church that reaches people and has people from a variety of backgrounds, economic backgrounds. We want to have people that grew up in the hood and people that grew up in the suburbs and people that grew up in every status in between, right? We, we want to have people that grew up in, in various situations, in good schools and bad schools, in private schools and public schools, in home schools, and all of it mixed together. We want a variety and a diversity of backgrounds, but specifically and especially we want a church that has a representation from all spiritual backgrounds and here's what i mean by that first corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 and 11 says do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of god and paul goes on to, to list these wicked deeds these wicked people he says do not be deceived neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters nor adulterers nor male prostitutes nor homosexual offenders nor thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards nor slanderers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of god okay nobody's going to get in right Look at the person next to you and say, sorry about your luck. Uh, <laughs> we can't get it. But then verse 11 comes. Like the first the verse, we get the law. We get this, dang it, none of us can aspire to this. None of us can reach it. What, what hope is there for us? But then he says this in verse 11. It's so beautiful. And that is what some of you were. That's who you used to be. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We want a church that is full of every sinful background. And here's the thing that you've got to be prepared for. If we're going to be full of every sinful background, there's going to be some people who are in different parts of that sinful process, different places on that spectrum of washed, sanctified, filled by Jesus and the spirit of our God. And so we're going to have to embrace the fact that some people are going to have some junk when they come in. That some people are going to have some issues while they're here. And that doesn't mean that we celebrate their issues or that we glorify their issues. Man, sin is sin, and we're going to call it sin. And we're going to work through my sin, and we're going to work through your sin together. But we're going to celebrate the fact that you're working through it, that you're processing through it. And if one of our brothers or sisters falls, we're not going to put them down. We're not going to neglect them or abandon them. We're going to be there to help you get back up. That's the church that we're supposed to be, a church that looks like heaven, a church for all races, for all generations. And all backgrounds. Secondly, if we want to look like heaven, secondly, this vision of our church and what we want to look like. Number one, we want to look like heaven. Secondly, we want to look like Jesus. So here's how I would say this, that uh, looking like heaven is who we want to reach, who we want to have. And looking like Jesus is who we want to be. 
that each of us would aspire to incorporate these characteristics in our life. We're not all going to be from all backgrounds. We're not all going to be from all races. We're not all going to be from all generations. We're going to have one story, one generation, one background, one race as an individual, possibly multiple races. But we're not going to be able to cover all those as an individual. As a group, we will. But as individuals, this is what we want. We want to look like Jesus. I want you to look like Jesus. I want to look like Jesus. And so specifically in six areas, we want to look like Jesus. And we're going to go through these very quickly. If you want to hear the, a full message on this, you can go online to citychurchob.com. Uh, go to our About Us page, our New to City Church page. And there's a link right there to a full message on the church that looks like heaven and looks like Jesus. I'm not going to get into all this right now, but I'm going to give you these characteristics so you can chew on them and hopefully begin to apply them to your life. Number one characteristic is we want to be authentic. We want to be authentic. We want to be real. One of the greatest accusations that the world has against churches, against Christians, is it's just it's a bunch of hypocrites. They're just fake. Uh, and ultimately, I don't believe that you're a hypocrite if you're a Christian and you've got issues, but you're open about your issues. I don't think that makes you a hypocrite. I just think that makes you a Christian because uh, we've all got issues. Now, if we're trying to fake it, if we're trying to put on this front and we're one person on Sunday morning and somebody different on Friday night, that's when that accusation really takes hold and takes root. But Jesus was authentic. He was real. He was absolutely the same person when he was at the synagogue, as he was at the temple, as he was at the lake, as he was at the beach, as he was at dinner with his friends. He was the same guy wherever he went. He was real. And he was authentic. And we aspire to be a church that is authentic. Secondly, we think Jesus was very generous. Jesus was generous with everything he had. He was generous with his time. He was generous with his talent. He was generous with his power. He was generous. Everywhere he went, everything that he had, he was willing to give. He was life-giving in every aspect. And we believe that we are called to be a generous church. As, as a corporate body, as well as as individuals, we need to be generous. And I could preach a whole series on that. We won't get into that right now. Uh, but we got to be generous. Number three, Jesus was accepting. There's a lie in our culture right now that says that you need to be tolerant. Tolerance is this idea that I'm going to tolerate whatever you do, however you are, whatever you think you want to do, I'm going to tolerate that. That's, that's the lie that our culture tells us to celebrate. Jesus, I do not believe, was tolerant. Anytime Jesus saw sin, he called it sin, and he told people to change. He wasn't afraid to tell people to change, but you know what he was? He was absolutely accepting. In other words, he didn't say, you got to change before I will love you. He didn't say, you got to change before I'll hang out with you. He didn't say, you got to change before I'll talk to you. you got to change before I can be around you. Jesus accepted people exactly where they were at. And so we're going to be a church that's accepting. Man, people may not be where they need to be. They may not have it all figured out. They may not have it all together. But we're going to accept them wherever they are, whatever they're going through, just like Jesus did. Because Jesus accepts people in order to see life change. And we want to see change. And so we got to accept people in order to do that. Number four, Jesus was enjoyable. People flocked to Jesus. People wanted to be around Jesus. Even kids wanted to be around Jesus. And I've said this many times before, but I think it's absolutely true. If kids wanted to be around Jesus, he was fun. Because if you're a boring person, kids don't want to be around you. You can, you can find out real quick if you're boring if you hang out with children. And if children go the other way, you got some work to do. Uh, if children flock to you and they're hanging on you and they're pulling your hair and they're all over you, you're probably a pretty fun person. I think Jesus was enjoyable. Kids wanted to be around him. Kids wanted to be near him. We need to be people who are enjoyable. Throw a barbecue for your neighborhood and invite people over. And you don't have to preach to them. Just love on them. Just be enjoyable. Be somebody who's there initiating relationship, initiating conversation, 
and begin to watch God open the doors for you to share your faith as you go. Uh, number five, Jesus is relevant. People didn't always understand the overarching spiritual point of his parables, but they always understood the practical point of his parables because Jesus spoke to them about what they knew. He talked to them about sheep. He talked to them about fish. He talked to them about farming. He talked to them about the stuff that was part of their daily life. He was relevant. My dad's got this saying that I've just kind of got in me uh, about certain people that, that some people are so uh, spiritually inclined that they're no earthly good. Uh, that, that some people are just so out there spiritually that they can't make any difference on earth. Uh, and I think sometimes that can be true, that we can be so focused on, on the eternal, focused on, on all that stuff that, that we lose practical reality of relationship. Uh, and Jesus wasn't that. Jesus could relate to people. Jesus could meet to people right where they were at. He was relevant to their lives, and we need to be relevant as well. And then number six, last thing, if we're going to be a church that looks like Jesus, Jesus was powerful. He was powerful. Everywhere Jesus went, stuff happened. Everywhere Jesus went, stuff started changing. And he famously told his disciples, and we just sang about it. He said, you're not just going to do the things that I've done. You're going to do even greater things because I'm going to the Father. And so if we're going to be like Jesus, we got to start seeing some power. Man, we got to start having the power of God, not just in our services. I think this is a big mistake. I grew up very charismatic. This is the, the mistake that, that sometimes those in the charismatic movement made or, or the charismatic movement that I grew up in anyway. That, that, man, we would come to service and we'd have these powerful outpourings and these powerful manifestations, but it would stay at church. We had this idea that, that, that God's presence was there. We called it the sanctuary because God lives in the sanctuary. We don't call ours a sanctuary. God doesn't live here. God lives here. You're the sanctuary. And so if you're the sanctuary and God lives in you, then God's power needs to go with you. God's power needs to go to your workplace. God's power needs to go to your kid's bedroom. God's power needs to go wherever you go. And so we're not just coming together to be like, oh, man, look what God did at church. Yes, God needs to do some stuff here. There needs to be the power of God evident in our services. I'm not saying that. But it doesn't need to just be here. We need to see God's power flesh out in our daily lives. So that's what it means to be a church that looks like heaven and a church that looks like Jesus. And the, the remaining time that we have here, I just want to tell you just a little bit about City Church, a little bit about our story and, and some things that you can do to, to help us get to the place that I believe God's calling us to be. Um, Proverbs 11.11 11 is probably the most essential verse to our identity as a church. This, this is the verse that God gave me very, very shortly before Melody and I took over this church and uh, just kind of burned it into my heart and burned it on my mind and I I never want to lose this verse. It says this. It says, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Now, that word exalted in the Hebrew, it means to, to lift, to rise, to raise. Uh, you see this picture of something moving in an upward direction, of things improving, of things getting better. And so we believe that if we are City Church of Olivet, if God actually had a purpose for this church to exist, and we believe that he does, that our city should be impacted by it, that our city should be benefiting from it, that, that if, God forbid, uh, let's say the rapture happened tomorrow and all of us were gone, uh, that Olive Branch should be worse because there's nobody from City Church here anymore, that Memphis should be worse, that South Haven should be worse, that our community should be worse because we're not a part of it, that, that somehow our city is being 
exalted. And that's why we sing songs about our city. That's not just to, you know, because we found a cool song and we want to sing it, man. We want to burn that into our hearts. We want to burn a passion for our city. That, that first song we sang about our city today says, break our hearts for the things that break yours. I think God's heart breaks for Memphis. I think God's heart breaks for the lost in all of Lansing. I think God's heart breaks for cities because God's heart breaks for people. And cities are full of people. And so if God has placed us in a specific city as a church, as a family, as an individual, I believe that God has a purpose for us in that community. And that community needs to be better because we're there. It just does. We're called to be salt and light. And so we've got to know that there's an impact that we're making. They don't need to know that it's us. It doesn't need to be that everybody can go and say, man, I love City Church. City Church is this. City Church is that. It's not about our name. It's not about a church getting glory or, or recognition. But there needs to be an impact. And so that's what we're about, man. We want to make an impact. We want to reach a city. That's why we started this program called Mission OB. And we set up different outreaches and events to get out into our city. And we do free car washes and clothing giveaways and hand out drinks on 4th of July and all kinds of other stuff that, that we're hoping and praying to, to have the manpower and the leadership to be able to do going forward in the future because we believe that the city needs to be better because we're not. It just does. And maybe you don't live in Olive Branch. Maybe you live in South Haven. I live in South Haven. Maybe you live in Memphis. Maybe you live in Hernando. Maybe you live in Nesbitt. Maybe you live in Cordova or Collierville or, or who knows where, uh, Horn Lake. Uh, God's got a purpose for you in that city. If you're the upright, if you're the righteous, that doesn't mean that you never make a mistake. It simply means that you're God and he's giving you his righteousness. Then the city is going to be better. So how do we do that together? How do we accomplish this? Um, I, I want to focus on one phrase over the next few minutes as we wrap up that we see in the New Testament. Uh, we see this phrase 34 times in the New Testament. And I want to show you the very first occurrence of it. We're not going to look at all 34, I promise. But I want to show you just a, just a couple Proverbs, or excuse me, John 13, 34, Jesus is speaking. He says, a new command I give you. The Old Testament was full of commands. They had these Jews, they knew all sorts of laws, all sorts of commands. But Jesus says, I got a new one for you. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So 34 times, actually 35 because it's twice in that verse. But 34 verses give us commands about how to do this, how to love one another, how to be there for one another. Uh, tells us how to treat each other, to love one another, to encourage one another, to spur one another on to good works, to greet one another, to submit to one another, on and on and on. One another, one another, one another, one another, one another. Why? Because God didn't design you to do this thing alone. He didn't. God did not design you to be an island. He did not design you to follow Jesus by yourself. He did not design your family to follow Jesus by themselves. He designed us to do this thing together, to be in godly, life-giving community. And it's, he calls it a family, and every family is jacked. You got weirdos in your family. You got creepy people in your family. You got people you don't want to see in your family. And so if you think there's weird people at your church, guess what? We're a family. Yes, there's going to be some people that you like to be around more than some other people. That's normal. It's understandable. It's to be expected. Anytime you get a group of people together, there's going to be some some friction. There's going to be some challenges. But we got to work through that stuff because God has called us to love one another. Because God has called us to serve one another. Because God has called us to do life with one another. 
And so I want to share with you just some of these one another, some of these things that I believe God has for us. Who is one another, first of all? When, when these were written, 31 of these uh, one another commands appear in the epistles. And each of the epistles that they appear in were written to a local church. And so, yes, these one another's, I think you can apply them to people in general. Yes, you can apply them to your home family. Yes, you can apply them to Christians in general, the greater church. But in context, I think the greatest application of this is in your church, to one another, to the people that you're in church with. When he writes to the Colossians and says, do this for one another, he's talking to the people in a church. They'd come together and they'd read the letter aloud. And when they'd say one another, they'd look at each other and be like, oh, man, that's how I'm supposed to greet one another. That's how I'm supposed to love one another. That's how we're supposed to serve one another. In context, it was all about the local church. These one another's were specifically for the local church. So I believe they're for us. So what I want to do is I want to give you nine things that you and I can do, and we're going to fly through this, I promise. But nine things that we can do together to help build City Church, to help make this church into what God has called it to be, to help reach a city by reaching one. Nine things we can do together. First thing that you can do, if you believe in this church, if you're behind this church, if you're a member of this church, if this is where God has placed you to be, this is command I believe is for you. Number one, we need to pray for one another. We got to pray for one another. I love praying for the lost. You know, if you know me, you know I'm all about the lost. I want to get out there and reach the lost. I want to see the lost come to Jesus. But one thing that God is really calling me to this year is a greater depth in my prayer life for you, for the people that God's already placed in our family together, that, that I'd play offense for our church, that I'd play offense in my prayer life for you guys. And I don't think this is just for me as a pastor, although it's probably more I have a greater responsibility for this because of the role I play. But I believe all of us are called to pray for one another. Here's what God's word says. Matthew 21, 13, Jesus says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. If we're the house of God, and again, we don't believe that God literally lives here. He literally lives here. But symbolically, this is still the house of God. Symbolically, we still kind of fulfill that role. And if we're a house of God, it's got to be a house of prayer. It's got to be a, a building full of praying people. It's got to be a building full of, of people who pray and who pray in all kinds of ways and for all kinds of things. But we got to pray for each other. When's the last time you prayed for somebody from our church? When's the last time you prayed for your brothers, prayed for your sisters? I'm not trying to put you down if that's not something you've been doing. It's okay. But, man, how much greater could 2015 be in City Church if we just started to pray for each other? What if you had 75 people praying for you every week, praying for your job? Praying for your family, praying for your health. Maybe I wouldn't have this call if 75 of you have been praying for me this week. It's your fault. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not saying that. But, but how much better would our year be if we really took this upon ourselves and said, okay, every week I'm going to pray for my brothers and sisters generally. And, and every week I'm going to pray for 10 people by name. 10 people per name. Once a week I pray for our church generally. And once a week I'm going to take 10 people and I'm going to pray for them by name. What would happen in our lives? If we began to pray for one another, what if this actually became a house of prayer? Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds this house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over this city, the guards stand watch in vain. I believe God's called us to be a bigger church than we are right now. I believe he's called us to grow. I believe we're supposed to. But guess what? I'm not the one who builds it. You're not the one who builds it. Unless he builds it, we are wasting our time. 
We are wasting our energy. We are wasting our money, our investment. We're wasting it unless he builds it. So let's let him build it. Let's ask him to build it. Let's intercede that God would build his church in Olive Branch, that God would reach the lost in Olive Branch, that God would use our people, that he would equip us, that he would fill us, that he would send us out, that he would protect us. If we would start to do this, if we would start to pray for one another, if we would start to pray that God could use one another as a witness, what could happen? Unless the Lord builds the house, we are wasting our time. Number two. We don't need to pray for one another. We need to worship with one another. We need to worship with one another. Hebrews 10, 25 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So instead of not being together, it says be together, but not just be together, be together and encourage one another. Can I just tell you when you guys worship, it encourages me. These last four Sundays. When I've come in and our church has entered into God's presence in a way that hasn't happened here in a long, long time, I get encouraged. I preach better when you guys worship. I'm just saying. You can, you can call that what you want. You can say it's emotional. You can say it's because of the presence of God. You can draw whatever conclusion. But I promise you I preach better because you guys worship. I just do. And I don't believe it's just me. I believe you encourage each other. I remember back in 2007, we had been about a year and a half into the 662, almost two years into the 662 history, our youth ministry. And our kids just didn't worship. We didn't enter into God's presence. We just, they didn't get it. We'd, we'd had a worship team for a little over a year, and we just couldn't get them to worship. They'd just stand and they'd watch, and it was concert every Wednesday night. And it was one of my greatest prayers, God, help us youth ministry to be a place where we worship God. And so we went to camp that summer. And we're at camp, and, and I just felt really pressed by the Holy Spirit in a way that I've, I'd say maybe five times in my life have I known I heard from God as clearly as I did this time. Um, that, that the last night of camp, it was going to break, that our students were going to worship. Um, and, and so I called together everybody that was there, leader and student, that I knew that knew how to worship, that, that had experience as a worshiper, that had an understanding of how to glorify God in song. And I said, look, tonight's service, people are going to worship. It's going to happen. God already told me. It's going down tonight, but here's what you got to do. I said, from the very first song, I want you to enter in. I said, I want you to sit up front. I want you to clap. I want you to sing. I want you to raise your hands. I want you to bring glory to God. Not as a spectacle. You're not going in there so other people can watch you. It's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you're going to give them permission to worship. I said, I believe there's many students in this youth ministry that they want it, but they're scared because they don't want to be the weirdo. They're not there yet. And so you've got to give them permission. You've got to worship first. And if you'll worship, it'll happen. And for whatever reason, those crazy people bought into what I was telling them. And they did it. And can I tell you, that night, the entire nature of our youth ministry changed, and it has not been the same since. I'm talking about worship like we had never seen, where young people entered into God's presence, where students who used to sit and worship like this were now on their knees with their hands raised to God. It was one of the most unforgettable experiences of my life. It was absolutely a God thing, but why did it happen? Because somebody was willing to go first. Because somebody was willing to say, I'm going to worship even if they're not. And because somebody was willing to lead, it gave the permission to those who didn't know how to do it, who never entered in before to say, you know what, it's okay for me to do this. And it didn't just happen then. I'm talking about from that point forward, those kids who had first entered in that night, they were worshipers. And you encourage each other when you enter in. Sometimes I come in and I just don't feel like raising my hands. 
Sometimes I come in and I don't feel like singing. That's rare. I love to worship. But there are times when I don't feel like it. There's times where I'm stressed or times where there's something going on. I'm just like, I'll just sit this one out. And I always hear that voice where God's like, am I worthy of your worship the same today as I was last week? Yes, you're worthy of my worship today just as much as you were last week. doesn't matter what I feel like. doesn't matter what I'm going through. He's worthy. And if we'll worship together, I believe God's going to do something awesome. Number three, we got to serve one another. Whether it's taking meals to somebody who just had a baby or somebody who's sick, going to a funeral for some, with somebody when they lost a loved one, being there for them. Man, there's so many ways for us to serve one another. And I could tell you, man, just so many ways that you guys have served me and that I've seen you serve each other. Um, um, this is not a, a rebuke. This is not a, you guys need to get this together. Our church does this in an awesome way. But let's, let's even take it to the next level this week. Let's look for opportunities to serve each other. Let's look for opportunities to get involved in one another's lives. Number four, pour into the next generation for one another and with one another. Uh, I get this now in a way that I never did before. I've always been passionate about the next generation. I've always been passionate about children and youth. I mean, it's just something God's always placed in me. But now I got a four-and-a-half-month-old kid. And now I see people ministering to my child. That's the most beautiful thing in the world when I see somebody serve my kid, when I see somebody help to, to make church a place that my child wants to be. And I know he's too young to really understand it yet, but I want from day one, I want this to be a place that, that he loves, that he looks forward to, that he knows he's going to be loved, he knows he's going to be cared for, and I guarantee you every other parent feels the same way about their kid. If we're going to be the church that God's called us to be, we got to serve the next generation. I'm just going to be real, real frank and honest with you guys right now. Our children's ministry needs help. We just do. We got more people making babies than we have people helping babies. <laughs> Praise God, be fruitful and multiply. We got that part right. But as we got more babies, we got more opportunities to minister to kids. And we need some people. Man, we could, we could use six people. If six people came today to our meeting and said, you know what, I'm ready to get plugged in six, in Kids City, we could get you plugged into the next month. Um, and, and I believe that if we're going to be the church that God's called us to be, we've got to prioritize the next generation. We've got to love kids. We've got to reach kids. We've got to minister to kids. We've got to connect kids to Jesus. Um, youth ministry side, we're in pretty good shape. And there have been times where it's been me and Tim and Kim, and that's been our youth leadership team. Tim and Kim are awesome. They've been serving in the 662 for forever, uh, since 2006. Uh, so, so cool. Um, but right now, we've we got a great team in the 662, so I'm not like – Shortchanging the 662, it's really important. We're in really good shape right now in leadership in 662. But Kid City, we could use some help. Like I said, we're, we're making more babies than we're serving. So let's get in there. Let's plug in. Let's pour into the next generation for one another. Number five, connect with one another through city groups. Last week, we unveiled and launched our city groups. We have seven city groups this semester, which is freaking amazing. I remember when we were, like, praying that we could get two. Uh, and, and it wasn't that long ago. Uh, and so to have seven city groups is so cool. And if you weren't here last week, there's information out at the Connection Center. We went ahead and condensed it all into one sheet with all seven groups information on it so you don't have to grab seven sheets and sign up for seven things. One sheet with all the information. It's got the contact information for the group leader, which if there's anything you don't know on that sheet, you can find out from them. But it's got times, dates, locations, all that stuff. Um, I know some people's situations, man, your work, you work every night, whatever. Maybe you can't be in a city group, but... Can I tell you, we've got a group on Monday afternoons, 
We've got groups on Tuesday evenings, Thursday evenings. We've got a men's group at 6 a.m. on Wednesdays. We've got another men's group at 11 o'clock on Saturdays, uh, 11 a.m. Um, we've got uh, an 11 p.m. or a 6.30 p.m. Saturday night board game group. We've got groups all through the week. Uh, so it's going to be really, really tough for me to buy that your work schedule doesn't allow you to go to the city group. Uh, like, yeah, I, I would love to see the work schedule that doesn't allow you to be at any of our groups. Because, man, we've got so many opportunities, so many different chances. Um, so find one. Go find the one that best fits you. And I'm not saying you have to be there every week. But get into community. This is really where one another's are going to happen more than anything else. I don't know who to pray for. I don't know who to serve. I don't know how to do this stuff. Get in a city group, and you're going to know who to pray for. You're going to know how to serve somebody from our church. You're going to know what's going on. Get into a city group. It's going to be great for you. Number six, you need to protect one another by living a godly life. Living a godly life. When, when you and I live a godly life, when we live this thing out, it, it protects our, each other in two ways. Number one, when you live a godly life, it protects me because it doesn't draw me into temptation. Because I like you, and I want to be like you. And so when I see my fellow brothers and sisters falling into sin, sometimes I'm tempted to go with them. And other people in this room are the same way. When, when we get into stuff that we know is not of God, there's a chance we're taking somebody with us. And that's a scary thing. Can I just say, I don't ever want to have to answer to God for taking somebody away from me. I don't want to face him for that. That's a scary thing. So we protect each other by doing the right thing. Number one, by, by not drawing that one another into temptation. But number two, we, we protect each other's reputation. Um, I know people who go to churches where where. Somebody in the church has done something very prominent. Somebody in the church molested children. Pastor in the church had an affair where the, where the community found out that this happened at this church. And now everybody in the church has to make a defense. Oh, you go to that church? You go to that church? And now everybody has to play defense because one person messed up. I'm not saying that we're going to be sinless. We're not. We're not sinless now. We're never going to be sinless. I get it. But, but can I just tell you that the way you live your life matters, that the reputation that we have in the community is going to be affected. Um, I've known an individual at our church who went around telling everybody they knew that they were a member at City Church and they loved City Church, which was great, except every time he had that conversation, he smelled like weed. Uh, and I'm not making this up. Uh, had people come to me and they're like, so-and-so really goes to your church? Well, I saw him here and he was high and he was this party and he was high, but he was talking about City Church the whole time. It's like, okay, we got to have a talk person's not a member of our church anymore um we didn't kick them out they left uh but if there was they were kind of on the track where they were maybe going to have to get removed if it didn't get to that point because we talked to them it's like look we love you we want to help you let's get you into rehab we, we found them programs we found opportunities man we're going to help finance them we're going to we're going to be there we're going to have your back we're not going to abandon you but this isn't okay you're drawing every one of us into your sin every one of us looks like that's who we are when you're advertising this is where i go and this is what i do so, man, protect us. Protect each other with the way that you live. Number seven, soak up the teaching of the word with one another. Come together and encourage each other. But not just come here. Be an active listener. Bring a notepad. Bring a pen. Man, when I see people with notepads and pen, when I'm talking and you're writing, I get fired up. That encourages me because I know God's speaking something. And many times you may be, you might be doodling. I don't know. I'm hoping that God's speaking something uh, that you're writing down. Uh, but, but many times when I'm in a service and I'm taking notes, God, God's going to speak something to me through the speaker that isn't exactly what the speaker said. But it's going to connect to my life in a certain way. And I'm going to make a note. Okay, I need to do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, take notes. 
I encourage you, be an active listener. Uh, when, you, when you miss a Sunday, check out the podcast. Uh, but let's stay together. Let's hear from God together so that we can move in the same direction, so we can apply these things together. I believe that God's going to speak to you, uh, not just through me, but through, through Jimmy, through Josh, through anybody who stands up here, Vince, as they speak. Um, let them speak to you. Let them speak. Let God speak to you, you through them. Number eight, almost done. Uh, participate with one another in our outreaches and challenges. Uh, we're going to reach each, our city by reaching one uh, through specifically Mission OB. It's going to take some bodies. It's going to take some people. Uh, man, when we have opportunities, we're going to give you plenty of time to notice. We're not just going to be like, hey, tomorrow we're doing this. Uh, we're going to give you a few weeks for you, so you can kind of get it on your calendar. And I know there's stuff going on. But, man, make it a point. This year we're going to be involved in three Mission OBs as a family. Something like that. Like set a goal that, hey, we're going to find time to be involved and reach in outreach with our church family. What you're going to find is when you do outreach with your church family, you like them more. You, you just do. When you see somebody you being used by God, when you see them praying with somebody, man, you begin to you love that person more. You just do. Tell people, I've told our students for years that nobody's ever caught as they are in a mission shirt. You're going to fall in love on this mission trip, and you're not going to be able to act on it. But it's going to happen because you're going to see them fulfilling the call of God on their life. And that's attractive. That's a good thing. Uh, so, man, participate with each other in our, our outreaches, our challenges. Man, when we challenge you, we're going to read Matthew this month. We're going to read the New Testament in 30 days. Whatever that might be, jump on board. We're going to do this fast. Participate with us. Number nine, last point today. If you want to help City Church to grow, if you want us to, to fulfill our purpose, our mission to reach our city by reaching one, take personal responsibility to add to the one in your church. Personal responsibility. There are people not just that don't go to church that you need to bring to church. There are people that don't know Jesus that you need to bring to Jesus. And you've got to take personal responsibility to add to the one another's. I've told you this is an emphasis for us this year, uh, that I'm not just going to be the one leading people to Jesus. And I love getting to lead people to Jesus. And we're going to offer Jesus in our services. I'm not saying we're getting rid of that. But, but here's what you see if you read the book of Acts. When the book of Acts starts, the day of Pentecost falls, 3,000 people get saved day one. They gather. 3,000 people get saved. That's awesome. I want to be a part of that service. Uh, very, very cool. But as you go forward in the book of Acts, you know what it says? It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were still gathering on Sunday morning for service. But Jesus was saving people all throughout the week. Why? Because somebody was taking Jesus to the world. And it wasn't the pastor. Or it wasn't just the pastor. It was the group together. They were going out there and sharing Jesus. They were being Jesus. They were loving people. And Jesus was adding to the number daily. You know what I want to see happen in City Church in 2015? I want to see God add to our number daily. I don't have a number I want us to be at. I don't have a place I want us to be at. I want us to be bigger because you reach somebody from your world. I want to see God add to our number daily, that every day he's using one of us to engage, to share. And I know that may scare the pee out of you right now. That may be the most terrifying thought in the world. That's okay. We want to help equip you. We've got a city group for you to get plugged in on Thursday nights. We've got an opportunity for you to come on March the 1st and learn how to share your faith. We want to help you know how to do that. This is so important. The truth is people are dying and going to hell. And they're not all going to come to church to hear a message. And even if they did, they're not all going to get saved in this service. But they can get saved through your story, through your testimony, through your prayers, through your action. Take personal responsibility to add to the one another's. This morning, as we were praying over here about 915, uh, 
Dan Harris, our keyboard player, came to me and he said, man, when we started praying, I, I just, I got this vision. I saw this thing that I, that I believe is from the Lord. Uh, and I said, well, tell me about it. And he said what he saw was just buckets and buckets of fish. And he saw a net. And he said, and the net would swoop down and it would scoop up the fish. And it would swoop down and scoop up fish. And it would swoop down and scoop up fish. And it would swoop down and scoop up fish. And maybe that imagery is, is foreign to you. Maybe you don't really understand what, what that's communicating. Jesus told his disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so what Dan saw was that there's a harvest. There's a whole bunch of fish out there that are just waiting for somebody to bring them home. Jesus says, the harvest is ready. Just pray that God would send workers into the harvest field. So I'm praying that God would send workers, but I'm not just praying for it. I'm commissioning you. You're a worker. If this is your church home, for 2015, you are a worker for the harvest field. It is your responsibility to begin to pray, to begin to ask God to give you opportunities, to begin to resource yourself and equip yourself to come to things that, that you need to, to find out how can I share my faith, because God's got some fish for me to get out of the sea. God's got some fish that need to get into the net. There's some lost people in my world that I'm going to take responsibility for. And if we can do anything as a church in 2015, What if it wasn't just in a service? What if it wasn't just when we gave an altar call or a fresh start opportunity? What if anywhere we went, God was sending a net? What if God sent a net into your work neighborhood? What if God sent a net into your workplace? What if God sent a net into your family? And what if that net was yours? I believe he has. I believe that's the responsibility that he's given us. And I think it's an amazing opportunity for us to do this together. For us to grab hold of this vision together, reach a city by reaching one, and watch the difference that can be made when 75 people get crazy about Jesus. When 75 people take God serious at his word, take his command serious and say, not, I'm not going to earn my salvation. My salvation is already taken care of. But because I've got victory, because I've been cleansed, because I've been healed, because I've been delivered, I'm going out there to bring somebody else. Let's do that together. Amen. Here's what I want to do, guys. I want to wrap our service up differently today. I want everybody to stand. And we're going to walk out these one another's, our first one another and our last one another. We're going to tie together. If you don't remember our first one another, it was pray for one another. So guess what? You're going to pray for each other. I'm going to ask you just to, to put your hand on the person to your right, shoulder and the person to your left. That way you don't have to hold hands if you're a germaphobe. Their shoulders are covered. Uh, we're going to pray for each other. Uh, if you don't know the person's name next to you, ask them their name right now and apologize. Uh, but find out their name. So, so you, you're going to pray for them by name, and you're going to pray that God uses them this year. You're going to pray that God gives them boldness. You're going to pray that God gives them conviction. You're going to pray that God breaks their heart for the lost in their life. And they're going to pray the same thing for you. And I want you to pray for them by name, and we're going to walk out one another one and one another nine together. So I'm going to pray out loud, but I'm going to ask you guys to pray out loud right where you're at, to go before God for the people next to you and pray that God would use them in a mighty way in 2015. Let's pray.